Well, if you were here at our covered dish last week, it's not a surprise to you where we're going. We talked about it at the, the meeting, but we finished up our series on boundaries last week. And today we're going to be picking up on uh, looking at the gifts of the Spirit, what they are, how to operate in them, and very importantly, how to use them in church and outside of church. There's probably more examples of the spiritual gifts being used outside of church than there are inside of church. And we need to understand that they don't just flow here. But whether you're at the well and some woman shows up to get water or somebody needs healing that you stumble upon, the gifts of the Spirit will work in you and empower you. If you'll turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. He said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorance will keep us lacking in understanding. It's important that we understand. The New Century Version puts this verse this way. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. Now, knowing about and believing in spiritual gifts is not understanding them. Just because you know about spiritual gifts, just because you believe that spiritual gifts are for today, does not mean that your understanding of them is any better than someone who doesn't. The way we gain understanding in the Word of God is we pursue it. When you knew about God, you didn't get understanding of God. When you believed in God, you didn't gain understanding of God. You gained understanding of God by pursuing Him. Whatever the topic might be, just because you believe in it, doesn't mean that you gain understanding in the thing. You all have a car. You all went out there and you picked a model that suited you, suited your family, whatever needs that you might have, uh, suited your budget. But you did some research on that car before you bought it. And after you got the car, that car does stuff that you didn't know about. So you had to pursue an understanding of that car to understand how all the different features work with this one, how this one is different from your, your other one. If you're like me, I only, I only get a car about every dozen years or so. And so there's a lot of changes in between. So you have to uh, understand what the new changes are and how things, how things go. This one looks like it's going to push me past that 12 years. Glory to God. I do not like shopping for a car. I don't like the process. I don't like the going through the sales thing. There is absolutely no part of buying a new car that I like, except when it's finally over and probably not until the next day. And I sold cars for a little while. But I do not like the process. Now, ignorance will keep us lacking. We don't want to be lacking. We want to, we want to have understanding. We need to know what God's Word teaches on the subject, first and foremost. If I'm going to operate in spiritual gifts, then I've got to understand them. There's nothing worse than having a tool in your hand and no understanding as to how it works. You can do all kinds of damage to the tool, to other things, if you don't know how to, how to use that. Some extreme examples, 
You know, if you drive by the road and you're doing some road work and you see a guy with a jackhammer. How many of you all know that if you just went out there and picked up that jackhammer without learning about it, you could do some serious damage to yourself, to whatever it is that you're working on. That thing's got a lot of power and you've got to know how to control it. Now, I put in your outline, personal experience is not above the Word of God. That's or there. It's supposed to be of. Make that little change there. Somehow I got the wrong letter in. Personal experience is not above the Word of God, but when seen in the light of the Word can help bring understanding. Many people use personal experience over what the Word of God says when it comes to spiritual gifts. Well, this is how God has worked through me. Have you ever heard that? God can work through you the way that He's going to work through you, but He's going to do so with the light of the Word of God. Personal experience without the light of the Word will have us in the wrong operation and thereby the wrong understanding. If I use the thing wrong, I will gain the wrong understanding of how to use it. Because I'm not using it in the, in the right way. That understanding is what we need. But I have to get the understanding from God about how to use it. Have you ever used a tool wrong or a kitchen gadget wrong? It came in and you thought you knew how to use it. And then you found out, oh, it doesn't get used that way at all. This is what you're supposed to do with it. When we have understanding, we can use the thing the way it's supposed to be used. And it works so much better. Now in... Um, Verse 2, it says, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away, away to these dumb idols, however you were led. The New Century puts this a little differently. might help you understand it. You know the way you lived before you were believers. You let yourselves be influenced and led away to worship idols. Things that could not speak. You let yourselves be influenced and led away to worship idols. Things they could not speak. There are people who have followed after the gifts of the Spirit and have ended up worshiping idols thinking that they're worshiping God. Now that's nothing new to our day. For those of you who are here on Wednesday nights, we're looking at Ezekiel. How many of them are worshiping idols but using the temple? They were led away. They were led astray. He said, however you were led, there are many ways to be led wrong. Just because you're a believer, just because you seek after God does not mean you will follow the right leading. I'll give you an example of that. Peter, did he love God? Did he have one of the greatest teachers at his disposal? He did. And yet, he was led several times in a wrong direction. Jesus even rebuked him one time and said, Get behind me, Satan. He was led, when he was following Jesus, to curse, to prove that he was not a disciple. He followed some wrong, wrong directions. Ananias and Sapphira, did they not follow a wrong leading? Well, if we sell this property for all that we want to sell it for, and you only give half of it, we'll let people think we gave it all. That was a wrong leading. 
There are many examples in the Word of God of people following the wrong leading and going in the wrong direction. We have to make sure that we follow the right leading. Now, there are many ways to be led wrong. The Holy Spirit leads us correctly. He's the one we have to follow. Learning His voice above all the ways, that's what we have to develop. I've got to learn how to follow after that voice. That is the voice I need to hear. Verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Now what you can take from this this uh, verse right here is that there are patterns to good and to bad leadings. There are patterns for it. There are, are things to look for. Much to... Uh, much like if you were to listen to an airplane following, flying above. There is a pattern to the noise of an airplane that is flying correctly. But how many know there's a pattern to a noise of an airplane that is not flying correctly? And you can just hear it. Oh, something is not right. There's trouble there. See, there's a pattern to it. You don't know what's wrong, but you can tell this isn't right. There's, there's something not right in the pattern. There are things that your flesh will do. Your flesh has certain patterns it will, it will do. You can write these down if you want to or just whatever you want to do with them. But some of the things that your flesh will do is that with your flesh there's an urgency. There's an urgency that will show this is the flesh that's not of the spirit. Now you'll, you can pick this out real quick. If you were, um, if you were on a diet to lose weight, eat better, whatever it might be, and you took certain things off of your menu, how many have ever felt an urge? I need to have a pizza. There's an overwhelming urge to, to do that. That's your flesh talking. Your flesh will tell you things that you need to, to, to do and do it now. Have you ever gotten angry and mad and wanted to say some words? They don't have to be cuss words. They can just be words that are angry words. Just words that are not born of your spirit. They're born of your flesh. There's an urgency. I need to say these things. You don't even hear that out of people's mouth. Well, I need to say this. There's an urgency there. That's your flesh. Your flesh has an urgency on, on things. God sometimes puts an urgency on stuff. But generally, it's because we didn't listen. That's the, the one of the big reasons. I just heard a story listening to, to somebody, um, one of their messages they were preaching, and he was uh, relating about a brother that he knew, his family, and they were in a, I believe they were in a church service, they were someplace, and all of a sudden, on the inside of him, he got an urgency, you need to get home. He kind of, well, you know, it's, we'll be done here in a little bit and then we'll, we'll head home. Came up in the spirit again. You need to get home. So finally he just yielded to the, to the urgence, to the, to the urging that was in him to get home. Then when he got home, he just pulled into the driveway. He and his family just pulled into the driveway when the hot water tank in the garage exploded. Now, if he would have gotten home when he first was told, it wouldn't have been quite the, the thing. It still caught on fire and 
Um, you know, there was a little bit of damage that was done around there, but uh, they were there, they were able to put it out, and they were able to take care of it. And uh, that wasn't, that didn't turn into something greater than it would have been. They, he followed that urgency. But you see, when he, the Spirit of God first told him about it, it wasn't urgent. I was listening to Brother Hagen. He was giving a story. And he said his wife was losing weight. It was notice, it was noticeable. I think it was like 10, she wasn't a real big woman anyway, he said, but lost about 10 pounds over a period of time. And one, one day it came up in him, tell your wife to go to the doctor. And said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Now this was a long time ago. How many remember when rates for phone calls went down after five o'clock? Anybody remember that? I mean, now we don't even think about it. What time is it? We don't care. You make a phone call anytime, it's going to be the same. Make it on your cell phone, it doesn't even cost you nothing except for the cost of the cell phone. You know, for most of the time I was going to school and stuff like that, we had to have coins. Put them into a, into a pay phone. $2.50 for the first two minutes. <laughs> and then after you're talking for a little while, ding, 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 ding. Please deposit another for the next whatever minutes that you want. Some of you folks remember that. Some of you folks are saying, what in the world are you talking about? But you know, this, this would come up. But this is what came, I'll, I'll wait and I'll, I'll call after five. It'll be cheaper then. Came up in his spirit again. Go call your wife. Tell her to go see the doctor. So again, he said the same thing the second time. Well, I'll do that. I'm going to wait after five o'clock and I'll be sure to give her a call and uh, wait for that. And third time, urgency. Go call your wife now. This is what coming in the spirit. And it's not an out loud voice or anything like that. It's just coming up in the spirit. So he finally just went over there and he picked up the phone and, and called and said, um, I have this in my spirit. You need to go to the doctor. Well, at this point, they thought the doctor's office was closed, uh, that he wouldn't be around. Uh, I'll wait until the morning. He said, no, no, uh, there's an urgency on this. You need to call him now. So they called over there and it happened to be that he was in. And no, come on right on over. And so um, I think he knew Brother Hagen, if I remember correct. I think he knew Brother Hagen. And he said, well, if he said to that is urgent, come on over here now, so that she came on over. And he just said uh, to her, he said, you know, if you would have come any later, if you would have been 10 minutes later, you'd be dead. I, don't, I never heard what the, what the thing was. But um, there, there's an urgency then. But you see, when you first heard, it wasn't urgent. Do it now. You could have gotten there and had several hours to, to take care of the thing. Instead, you know, now it's, now it's urgent. Now you have to, have to go. I told you the experience I had when I, um, that one day I, I came back from delivering a bunk bed. Delivered a bunk bed in the morning, had another bunk bed to deliver in the afternoon, was coming back, was going to reload and just head on out there and had a pain in my stomach area. And I hadn't eaten on that day. I was just working on getting the, the stuff done. So I just figured, well, it's first because I hadn't eaten. So I just kind of laid down for a little bit. This will go away. And uh, it didn't go away. And um, it was looking like, you know, if this would go away, I, I can't lift anything with, with this. So um, I was just praying on the thing. And, and so it um, came up my spirit. It's your appendix. And so my wife was outside. She was working on some stuff. And so she came on in. I says, I'll call so-and-so and see if, if this, well, I think it was Miss Gladys. We said, call Miss Gladys and, and see if um, this might be the case. And so she said, yeah, I would go ahead and, I think he said that. I would go ahead and, and go. So. I told him that. Now, this is 
this is still early on. It's, it's only been about an hour, hour and a half I've been feeling the, all that. So he walked into the hospital, walked over to Doylestown Hospital, got in there. My wife dropped me off. She went to park the car, walked on up to him. She goes, yeah, what's your problem today? I says, well, I think my, uh, my appendix needs to be removed, is what I said to him. And she said, well, I understand that, but uh, we have to go through some tests. We don't just do that because people say that. I said, I understand that. Go ahead and do whatever test that you need. And so we went on back there, and they asked me a series of four questions, only one of which I answered positive. The other symptoms weren't, weren't present. I think nausea was one. I didn't have a fever. And there was a, I think there was something else in there. Didn't have any of that. All I had was a, a, a pain. And so they said, well, we have to take you on back, and we'll do some tests and just see if it is and if it's so. Now, this is on the 4th of July weekend. I believe it was the Friday of the 4th of July weekend. Now, I came in there in the afternoon. I believe it was either late morning or right around noon when I arrived at the, the hospital. Somewhere around 4 or 5 o'clock at night, they came to me and they said, it is your appendix, we're going to have to remove it, but we don't have anybody in the hospital right now because it's the holiday. So we have to call somebody in. So they had to wait and call somebody in to come on in and to, and to do it. So this transferred a few more hours. I think it wasn't until 9 or 10 o'clock at night they finally got to it. But I listened. I did what I was supposed to do, and I got there. And uh, I never felt urgency, never felt any, any rush on my, my own self. So God will give you time to get a thing done. Sometimes our own disobedience keeps us from it. Sometimes God has told you to do something for your body, to help your body, to help you in the health area. When he told you to do about it, you had time to take care of it. But sometimes we say, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And three weeks later, we still haven't done it. And God may hit you again. You need to do this. Well, see, it's better if you would have listened three weeks ago. But if he's hitting you to do it, there's still time to do something about it. And you, you go ahead and do it. God doesn't lead you to where all of a sudden it's, this is what you have to do now. He usually gives you, gives you some time ahead, of, ahead to uh, check that out. But have you ever heard a Christian say, well, I got this in my spirit and I just have to share it? Ever heard that? Yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's a person who has probably not discerned the difference between their flesh and their spirit. Now understand this. Your flesh can take on some spiritual traits. Have you ever had a, a, a little child, maybe one that you raised, or maybe you yourself, that if you carried on in a certain way, you would get what you wanted? You ever had that? Maybe you've been down to the Walmart and you've seen that. <laughs> been on down to the Walmart, just go out there and hang out for a little while. Probably won't take more than 15 minutes. You can see some kid acting up to, you know, I want candy. And no, we're not going to do candy. And then what's the kid do? Fusses and makes all kinds of loud noises and finally gets the candy. Well, if he learns that by doing this, I get candy, what's he going to do? He's going to act that way. Now then, sometimes parents will do this to them too. No, now, now sit on down there and be quiet and ask nice. Mommy, can I have some candy? Yeah. Well, yes, you can. <laughs> and then they go on to give them candy. But when they're in a similar situation and that child comes to the, to the register and they say, Mama, can I have some candy? No. He will learn that unless I throw a fit first and then act right, I won't get the candy. 
and they adapt. They learn what they have to do to get what they want. Your flesh does the same thing. It learns how to mimic behavior that will get you to respond. And it will take on just enough spiritual traits to make you follow it. That's why you hear people, Christian people, good, been in the church a long time, serving God. Well, I just have to share this. I don't care if anybody else doesn't, doesn't like this, I'm just going to do it. It's not good. Urgency is one. That's a pattern of your flesh. Glory to self. I need to be seen. I want people to see me. Feel good about this. We'll come off the stage or we'll come off from the wherever it was we're at. Glory to God. God get all the glory. But inside, they all saw me. Kind of like this. Viewed as someone important. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Didn't their action look spiritual? Didn't it look like they were following the unction of the Spirit to sell some property and give even half of it to the church? But they didn't follow their spirit. They followed their flesh. Their flesh said, we like the attention that Barnabas is getting for what he did. Let's get some of that attention ourselves. And so it mimicked spiritual behavior and got them to lie to the Spirit. Apparently, God didn't think too much of it because they died. So there are things your flesh will do and when you see that pattern, you say, that's my flesh. No, not going to do that. There are things that wrong spirits will do. Wrong spirits corrupt the things of God. That's what a wrong spirit does. They corrupt the things of God. They promote darkness, division, embarrassment, confusion, compromise. God will not lead you to give a word publicly to somebody that embarrasses them. That's not how God operates. Have you ever seen that done in church? I'll have somebody stand up, come over here. Boy, God shows me you're in all kinds of sin. Now, God has sometimes done some things to get people's attention, but that's after they refuse to listen to all the others. And they're about ready to, they're about ready to die. It's about ready to be done. And we gotta get their attention, they haven't gotten it yet. But for the most part, he's gonna come in, he's gonna give you that still small voice and that witness on the inside. Steve, make a change. Get out of this. And if that doesn't work, he'll send a brother or sister over. Spirit of God, we're dealing with me. Be private. Doesn't the Word of God say, take them apart, take them aside privately, mm-hmm. exhort them? God's not in there embarrassing people. But you see, if you want to bring glory to yourself, look at this spiritual thing that I have. Well, that's wrong. But the spirits, wrong spirits, they will corrupt the things of God, promote darkness, division, embarrassment, confusion. Confusion is one of the signs that God's not there. And compromise. Well, if you just do this, just, you know, just in order to get this done for God, how about if you just compromise it and do this a little bit over here? Those are wrong spirits that will lead you that way. But same way, likewise, the things of the Holy Spirit, there are things that He will or won't do. 
The Holy Spirit is light. He will bring light onto the subject. He will bring comfort. He'll bring peace. Understanding. Whatever it is that He leads you to do is going to bring glory to God. So there are patterns. He said, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. There are certain things that if you're following the right Spirit, that won't happen. There are certain things that if you're following the wrong Spirit, will happen. You need to know these things. The more you study God, the more you find out the way He does stuff. And you follow after that pattern. In verse 4 it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The profit of all. Whatever it is we do when we are together is for the profit of all. It's not for the profit of one person. God may do something with you privately that's for the benefit of you. But when you are in the church, when you're in, in the, the body, with the body, whatever is going to happen is going to be there for the, for the benefit of all. So there are diversities of gifts. So the same gift may operate in a different way from one person to another. Because your personality gets mixed in. Your understanding, where you are in your growth, all that has a, has a change on how that gift is going to operate. It's not going to operate the same way. Your spiritual development is at one spot and someone else's may be lower or higher. Their calling, your calling may be different. And that's going to change what you're doing with that particular gift. There's a purpose that God has for that thing functioning through you. And that purpose functioning through you may be different than that purpose functioning through someone else. But the overall goal is the same. It is the profit or the benefit of all. Now, I skipped over this, but uh, you can write this this one down. When you're going to operate in the things of the Spirit, write this verse down, uh, 1 Timothy 3. One, we're going to stop at verse 3, but you can keep going if you wanted to. If we're going to operate in the things of the Spirit, we need to do things the way the Spirit would have us to do so. He says here that this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. That means he doesn't have multiple wives. Sometimes people have taken that and and said that, well, if, if he's divorced, this can't be speaking about him. It would, uh, there's a good case you can make for one wife at a time. Uh, it's not recommending divorce. You will bring other, other things coming in, but it doesn't mean that just because you got a divorce that you are uh, banned from all kinds of ministries. Anyway, that's not our topic today. Temperate, which seems to be redundant with the, uh, the part about not giving to wine, but it's basically you know, not drunk. Sober-minded, now you would think that means not drunk, but it doesn't mean that. It means don't let your emotions get the better of you. Keep yourself under control. Well, I just had to say that. I just had to do that. No. Of good behavior. How many of you know some people at work, your neighborhood, relatives? You would not say that they are of good behavior. They have bad behavior. 
There are some people that have bad behavior and some people have good behavior and some people that, well, sometimes, you know, you never know what you're going to get. But this person should be one of good behavior. He says, hospitable. Wanting to, to have people over and to minister to them. Able to teach. Doesn't just mean you have to get into a pulpit, but it means that you can explain things from the Word to people. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome. Some people just like to argue everything. If you like to argue everything, you are going to be disqualified from some things in ministry. If you always have to argue your point to get it right, you're going to be disqualified from some aspects of ministry. Doesn't mean you'll be disqualified from all of them, but you're going to be disqualified from some. You need to quit being so quarrelsome. You can state what it is that God has, has showed you in the Word. If they want to receive it, then go for that. I generally take the, the course of action that if I state something from the Word of God or something that I have a belief because of the Word of God and then somebody comes back at me, I'll usually go at least one more time and try and clarify it. But I don't keep going. After a while, I said, look, if you don't want to know the truth, I don't have to tell it to you. I'm not compelled that way. I'll just walk off. I'm not going to get quarrelsome. Quarrelsome is not a spiritual trait. Now, I'm not saying that I was always that way. <laughs> I, I could quarrel with the, with, I could argue with the best of them. I told you the stories before. I went to a Baptist college that believed in pre-tribulation. And at the time, I believed in a post-rapture theory. I've come around since then, but not because of the Baptist college. They had it wrong. They uh, taught things that just were not true to get to a point that was right. But um, it, it, it just wasn't right. So I, we would sit down there in the lobby, and I would argue and discuss with all sorts of people. And I never lost one. Never lost a single argument. There was no one in the college of about a thousand people who could out-argue me on end times. Not a single one. But I didn't win anybody over. I didn't, I didn't help anybody by arguing the case. That's not going to be, be helpful. See, so you had to learn to, to, to get away from that. So I don't, I don't mess with that anymore. I've learned from this and other areas of scripture. Don't be quarrelsome. Don't be covetous. Don't be out there. Well, they got that gift. I want it too. And he goes on here with a bunch of other things, but I just wanted to see a few of those. That you can, you can have certain flesh traits that will keep you from areas of ministry that you might want to get into or might even be called into. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So this one over here, he's got the word of wisdom through the same Spirit. This one, he's got the word of knowledge. Same Spirit. We'll get into more of these uh, later on, but the word of knowledge is more things future. Word of, word of wisdom is things past and present. They've already occurred. You're just having a word of knowledge that it happened. You weren't there to see it. To another faith by the same Spirit. That's not the faith that you have to get born again. That's a different kind of faith. To another, the working of miracles. This gift of faith is different from the gift of working of miracles. And we'll get into, into all these. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. 
to another day interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things distributing to each one individually as He wills. It is as He wills. You cannot covet someone else's gift. Well, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they operate in the, mir- in the working of miracles. I want that. It is as He wills. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and operate in this because I want to. That's not how it goes. There's, I put this in your outline for you. It's one of the few blanks you have. The need for us to stay as He wills and not move over to as we will. Yes, there's a need there. There's a need for us to stay as He wills in that area. you got to stay in the area of as He wills, not into the area as I will or as we would will. That's not easy to do. And sometimes we slip over to the part where I will, thinking I'm as He wills. And that can cause us some trouble. Let's go on down to verse 12. For as the body is one, and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? So each one has a different function. There's, we, we need to be able to smell stuff as well as we need to be able to see stuff. I need to be able to hear things as well as I need to be able to walk to places and pick up stuff. Feet are good for walking. They're not great for picking up stuff. I've seen some of the videos people don't have hands and they use their feet like hands. Well, good for them. But if they had hands, they would use them because hands are better at picking stuff up than feet are. And feet are better at walking than hands are. And eyes are better at seeing than ears are. But if the ear says, I want to be an eye, and the eye says, I want to be an ear, and we all try and do something we're not gifted in. See, an eye is not gifted at being an ear. It doesn't have the components needed to hear. An ear doesn't have the components of an eye to process sight. It just doesn't have it. Well, you have a body because you have multiple parts. That's what makes it a body. If you just had an eye, you wouldn't have a body. You would have a part. And if you just had an eye, I don't imagine that you would have a whole lot of friends. We don't want to be friends with eyes. We want to be friends with with bodies. We We want to have that that whole whole thing going on. We need ears, hair, or lack of. Whatever it might be. But each body part has a function. Some of those things are more vital than others. Some of those things you can get by with. You know, some some people we can get by without hair. Maybe we get by with better with hair. Maybe we don't. I think... uh 
sometimes just hair just gets in our way. Just shave it all off and and uh, and there you go. I keep mine fairly short. I don't shave it all the way off. But as soon as it gets to be too long, I've had people say, your hair's not long. I need to cut it. If, if it's taking me more than two to three minutes in the morning, it's too long. If we have moved up to the area of four minutes, it's got to go. <laughs> That's just the way that I'm, I'm with it. And um, I haven't changed my hairstyle in, I don't know, a couple of decades now. Three, four decades, I don't know how many it's been. It's just been the same one. I don't need to change it. It functions. It works. I don't have to think much about it. So I'm good. I don't need to go someplace and sit down and say, can you come up with something new to do with my hair? I don't want somebody to come up with something new to do with my hair. I want somebody who can make it do what it has been doing and not change it. If I go to somebody and they cut my hair and it's now doing something different, I don't go to them again. I've had the same lady cutting my hair now for, I don't know how many, how many years, but uh, there's this particular shop that had opened up. They just cut men's hair. They don't do women. And um, so there's no smells. There's no perms. There's no, no colors. There's no offensive odors at all. I like that. That's their philosophy. Their whole idea is we don't want any of that stuff around there. And I, we, we found this place when we were down in Tulsa. And I said, boy, if they ever came up around, they did came up around. They opened one up. And so I went on out there and the same person who managed it, so still the same person who manages it today. And I'm still able to get my hair cut by the same person. I don't have to say a word. I come in. I sit down. She knows what to do. She does it. I get up and we go. She's a believer. We can talk about God. She uh, graduated the same year that um, uh, Brother Jolly graduated from ORU. She did the same thing that you did with the... Uh, um, uh, online part, and, uh, same year that that she did, you did, and I don't forget. I don't know what she went to to school for on there, but anyway, she had done that to to do so. So we have some conversations about that, but um, in and out in fi- less than fifteen minutes, and that's what I like. You know, I don't want to be in there sitting around waiting. I want to go in, get it done, and get out and do stuff. And so that's what we're able to. To do, but you know, if I lost, if all the hair fell out, and it's not going to fall out, don't worry about that. I'm, you know, obviously I'm almost 60 years old; it hasn't fallen out yet. I knew when I was a kid I wasn't going to fall out because my grandfather on my mother's side had a full head of hair, and it looked pretty much like mine does, except his is a little bit more silver. But other than that, it looks uh, pretty much the same. So I knew from young on, well, that's what my, that's what my hair is going to look like, and sure enough, it does. But if it did my life wouldn't change. But how many of you know that there's some body parts that if you lost the function of, it could be a problem? If your liver had an issue, that would be a problem. If your kidney had an issue, maybe not as big a problem as the liver, you can do some other things for it. If your stomach had a problem, well, that would be an issue. So there's other parts of your body that you don't see that have more of an effect upon the overall body than stuff that you do see, more, the more presentable parts. That's what he gets here, verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
No rather, uh, no much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Some of the things we don't think about a whole lot, they're more necessary than some of the other ones are. That's the, they're important. You know, your your lungs are huge. You use your lungs, your your lungs, every minute of every day. You're breathing in, you're breathing out. That has a tremendous impact on your on your body. You know, your teeth, you use them every day, but not every minute of every day. So certain things, they they may not seem like they're as presentable. We don't go out there and say, look what a great stomach I've got. Look at this liver. Have you ever seen a liver like this? We don't. We may show off our hair, show off some muscles, show off different things that's, that's more visible. But the stuff that's behind the scene, that's the stuff that's really vital. So what appears to be not as important may be far more important for you as far as you're getting along. We generally don't see your blood. Unless you spring a leak. You spring a leak, you want to plug that up. You know, uh, my, my wife will see me, she'll see me spring a leak. I'll be leaking on the floor. Or I leaked on my pants or something. And she said, you're bleeding. I am? And I most times don't even know about it. I didn't even realize, oh yeah, I am. Look at that. And, uh, and you find it. And um, well, how'd you do that? Well, I didn't even know I was bleeding, so how am I going to know how I did it? <laughs> But you know, you don't, you want that stuff to stay inside. You don't want it coming out. We don't want to be seeing the, the blood. But all these things functioning together is what causes the body to work. And this is, this is what he's getting to here. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care of one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is something we have to understand with the body. Sometimes we look around the body of Christ and we see somebody having a struggle. And it's, it's real easy to... But you, you may have heard this phrase used before that the Christian army is the only one that shoots its own wounded. No, we're going to have some people that don't have some things right. But we need to try and help them. And if they refuse that help, well then we just need to be standing at the ready so that when they are ready, we jump right in. We don't get an attitude and say, no, you didn't want my help before. Forget it, I'm not helping you now. Figure it out yourself. No, but the body needs them. They're, they're, they function in a part of the body. And we may not have a replacement for that. You only have one liver. You can go get a piece of somebody else's and that can help you out. But you've only got one liver. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are, are all apostles? No, if we all had apostles, we'd be missing some other parts. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? 
Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And of course, he gets into 1 Corinthians 13. But I want you to write these things down. I gave you some room there to be able to do this. This is seven keys to perfecting your operation. That's the operation that you have in the gift that you've got. This is not an ex- meant to be an exhaustive list. You could probably add some more things to it. You could probably find some other things. But if you can get these seven things down and be working on them, you can be doing a whole lot better. Seven things. First off, here's number one. Keep the whole picture before you. Keep the whole picture before you. You got to keep the whole whole picture before you. Now, last last Sunday, uh, how many of you folks that are here now or were not here at the the uh, covered dish in the meeting we had afterwards? How many people were not here? All right, a few people. So you guys won't won't see this, but we went through an example. We went through a, a, an exercise for the purpose. Now, in that exercise, how many remember that we're here? And if you weren't, there's we don't have any any way to to go back there and see this, but you can kind of p- uh, piece this together from maybe other places that that you've been at. How many remember we opened it up? And uh, I told you, I said, no, look, we're going to have an open discussion and I want you, and I gave you some instructions. This is what I want you to share on. And I want as many as want to. I wasn't going to force anybody to, but I said as many as you want to. This is what I want you to share on. And we laid it out there. It wasn't real long, just a, a few things. And we went on around the room. And people, now how many of you know that some people did exactly what was on that list? Some people strayed from that list. Some people covered some areas that uh, maybe we didn't need to. But the, did you see the overall all picture of things? We had, I don't know how many, how many people did we say we have out? Maybe a couple dozen, two dozen, somewhere in there. Gail, you were counting them for the chairs. 20. 28. There we go. Thank you. We had about 28 people there. Of that, even the kids were getting in there and they were sharing some stuff, which was phenomenal. We, we love that. Of that, by the time we got done, how many of you know most of the meeting was over? Most of the time was spent in on that, which was, which was good. I cut out a few things from the meeting that we might have had time to go over, but it was not a, it's not a big deal. The hardest thing that we have to do as believers, when we come together as a group and we try and do this thing where we are all bringing in a part, is we have a hard time keeping the whole picture in mind. Most of us focus in on our little area. If we're an I, I want to talk about why eyes are important in the body. <laughs> Everybody needs to know why eyes are important. And you are not giving enough respect to eyes, so I need to tell you about eyes. I'm going to preach to you about eyes because you all need to know about eyes because eyes are important. Without eyes, <laughs> you start going off. Once. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Hands are more important than eyes. Let me tell you about, about hands. And we can get so focused on each of our different giftings and what God gave us that it's very easy to lose sight of the whole. This is one of the things that keeps churches from stepping into the area of everybody bringing in something. It's, it's because, because we'll say, all right, this is what we're going to, to share. How many, just to give you this example, have you ever been in a church service and they said, we're just going to have a praise time and we all want you all to come in and bring your praise reports. And so one person comes in and they get to the, the front and they give their praise report. And Brother Hagen put it this way. He said, they spent 15 minutes talking about what the devil did <laughs> uh-huh. and a minute and a half talking about what God did. 
And the reason for it is because they want people to know what they have been through, what they survived, what they came through. You need to know who I am, what I'm made of, because I, I went through some stuff. Now, we lost the function of it. The function was, come on up here and give glory to God. Instead, most people who do that gave glory to the devil. There was more time giving glory to what he did than what God did. That's why we have to keep the whole picture in mind. So many times you get into some of these meetings and you'll, well, I'll give you this example. If you watch some of the, the meetings, um, Winter Bible would do this. Some of the camp meetings I know would do this. Some of the times I've seen um, uh, uh, other different ministers and they, they have people come up. And you will notice that the person who's running the meeting will be on the stage and the person who comes up to the, to the stage will look back after they started. Is this okay? Is this within, the, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. Because they want to make sure that they stay within the scope of what that person called them up to do. Brother Keith Moore, he would tell you about his failures as much as he will as his successes, but he, he talked about a meeting where he was there and, and Brother Hagen called him on up to have the next part. And he didn't know what the next part was. And so he said, uh, I don't, don't really... No, usually he, he would have some stuff, but he just wasn't really feeling anything. And he had talked to him about a teaching that he had gotten, um, I don't know, that week or sometime uh, recently. And so he said, well, I have that teaching. And Brother Hagin said, no, that's not it. <laughs> and so he went back on a few other things and, and just couldn't come to it. And so he came back again and says, well, I have that teaching. And I'm not sure if he did it twice or three times. But anyway, he finally came back and he said, well, I have that teaching. And Brother Hagin said, oh, just go with it then. And so he went with it and he said it fell flat. No anointing on it, just fell flat. He came back into Brother Hagin afterwards and said, I'm, I apologize. I took it in the wrong direction. He said, well, I knew that. He said, I told you that wasn't it. But you see, he wasn't going to keep telling them that's not it. Sometimes God will tell you that's not it. No, no, I, I really want, I need to get this word out. This, this blessed me so much. We cannot always discern to what blesses me and what is to be a blessing for the whole. Now, here's the thing. I'm not giving you all this to exhort people who can't stay on the, the, the that's not it at all. We as a body have got to understand that some people in learning this will stray from from the said goal. Here's what we're supposed to do. And sometimes we'll stray. Well, we need to, to let them stray a little bit, help them to learn. Because you know what? You don't learn unless you step out. You got you to move out in some of these things and, and, uh, and learn that. But anyway, we got to get back to our list here. Keep the whole picture before you. Make sure you keep the whole picture because your goal is to bless the group, bless the body. If whoever is leading the meeting has called upon you and says, you have the next part, will you come up and do this? You need to have a full grasp of what is expected, what area your part is in the whole and fill that area. You may see other places that you could fill, but that's not what you're supposed to fill. It's not for you to share whatever comes to your mind. It's for you to share what God put in your spirit. That's the thing we have to do. 
Each person in ministry, there's not a soul here in ministry who will not tell you that we all learned it the hard way. We all learned it the hard way. You'd look at anybody who's uh, run meetings, who's preached to places, who's done things, and you ask them this question, yeah, 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 I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I, I did some stuff. I thought this was God. It wasn't. Keep the whole picture before you. Number two, don't give in to urgency. I need to share this. Well, this is probably my flesh. Sit back. Hold on to that for a little bit. We're going to look into some other scriptures, but you remember when the Word of God says that if uh, every one of you has a prophecy, was well, that going to benefit the meeting? Two or at the most three, he says. We're going to look into why that, that is. Uh, number three. What you have may be of God, but can it wait? Here's something that not everybody gets hold of. When I get something from God, and you may be this way too, when you get something from God, how many of you are just excited as anything? Oh, God spoke. This is revelation. God gave me this revelation. Oh, this is so great. And all we want to do is share it. What usually happens is, I just got the revelation. It's not mine yet. I don't have the full grasp of that revelation. I don't completely understand what's going on. I need some time just to marinate in that thing for a little bit. Because what happens is, I'm going to get up and I'm going to share what I know of it now. And I don't have the full grasp. I'm not able to to speak it out. And it'll fall flat. And now if I ever come back and say, let me share this with you. Oh, I heard that before. See, I shared it before it was ready. Make sure it's gotten ready. What you have may be of God, but can it wait? It may just need to wait a little while till you get it seasoned. Till you get it ready to go. Number four, remain submitted. Now I put in parentheses without complaint. There are times I was in a meeting, someone else was running a meeting, and I had to learn. Be submitted. This is not what they want. They don't want the meeting to go this way. They don't want these particular things. All right, then we just stay out of that. Number five, not everything is for church. Some things are just for you. God gave it for you. And it blessed your socks off. And you went out there and tried to share it with somebody else, and they said, okay. That was good, uh-huh. But you don't see the same reaction that you had. Because, you see, it was for you. You were ready for it. You give revelation to somebody and they're not ready for it. It's just, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, but I don't understand it. It's not really helping me any. Not everything is for church. Some things God gave you and it's for you. Number six, give grace to others as they grow in their gift. Well, this is a tough one. But you give grace to others, then grace comes back on you. That person's growing their gift, you give grace to them. Don't get out there and just start, boy, did you hear what brother, sister, so-and-so shared? Oh, man, I can't believe they got up and said that. That was so flesh. No, don't be doing that. You'd be wrong if you did it. Don't demand that kind of perfection. If you don't show grace, you won't get grace. Here's a tough one. But you got to get yourself to this place. Don't depend on feedback. Don't depend on feedback. Don't depend, well, I shared this thing and I'm, I'm expecting that 15 people are going to meet me at the door. Lamar, that was the most wonderful thing I have ever heard. Oh, man. Because a lot of times you won't get that. 
What you have to learn is you depend on the feedback from the Spirit. Did the, is the Spirit telling me I hit it? Now, sometimes I've, I've said some things, and people come up to me and say, oh, that just blessed me, appreciate it. But in my spirit, I knew, no, I didn't get it right. I missed it. I either missed the time, I didn't get it, get it out right, whatever it was, was. But I learned how to depend on that feedback into my spirit more so than anything else. That's where we need to get. Now, before we close this out, and really just, just introducing this, we're going to get into, into the specifics. We're going to spend a good bit of time on prophecy because what does Paul say above all things you should desire? To prophesy. Doesn't it sound like that everybody in the church ought to be prophesying? So we're going to show you how you can do that. How everybody in the church can be operating in this gift. Not like some of the nuts that are out there prophesying to chairs, lampposts, and cars. We prophesy to people. We prophesy with words. We prophesy with things that they understand. As Paul taught, if there's no understanding, it's like a clanging cymbal. Now make sure that there's understanding. Let me read this to you in the Message Bible. This is verses 12 through 27. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts... You can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with, the, with Christ. By means of His one Spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which He has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of His resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, His Spirit where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. Get away from the labels. We need something larger, more comprehensive. Verse 14, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I am not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I am not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where He wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Oh, and that is so huge. Understand, you have great significance in doing what you do in the body. But it is not to take you to a place of great self-importance. Because if you stop doing what you're doing, God will find somebody else. If he can replace Elijah, he can replace me. Amen. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. 
when it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether that part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, would you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? Verse 25, The way God designs our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. What a beautiful way to put that. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. The enemy loves for you to despise other people in the body of Christ because they're not up to what you're able to do. Because they're not doing things exactly the way you wanted to. That is not how we are to be. Satan's kingdom has worked to first off pervert truth. He loves to pervert truth. It secondly has worked to silence opposition. And third, to conform to sameness. There's three things that the kingdom of darkness will do. Pervert truth, silence opposition. Once it perverts the truth, it wants to silence any opposition about that perversion. And then it wants to conform to sameness. God makes diversity. Satan makes sameness. When you go over to these communist countries and you look at their parade, what is the one thing that you notice about all the people in the parade? They're all the same. They march the same. They wear the same. They salute the same. They say the same. They speak the same. Because that's the the enemy's kingdom. The enemy's kingdom is sameness. Everybody is the same. They'll sell it on you by everybody is equal. But they just want everybody to be the same. Because if everyone is an I, then there's nobody. There's nobody to be part of. There's no glory of that body. But God is not the kingdom of Satan. He has diversity. And someone may be a completely different part from you and the enemy wants to try and get in and try and make hands not like feet and eyes not like ears. But you need ears. You need intercessors. You need prophets. You need apostles. You need teachers. You need administrators. You need helps. We need all these different aspects of the body of Christ. All of them. But the enemy wants you to despise them. They need to be more like you. Because he's in the sameness. But God is in the diversity. See, one thing that that Satan cannot copy is the giving of life. Every person that is born has a different voice. It's a different face. Everything about them is different. Once you get to know somebody, you could be in a crowded mall 
and hear their voice over all the others. How can you do that? Because that's our God. When the kingdom of Satan is trying to duplicate the process of life, do you know what it's called? Cloning. That everybody will be exactly the same as the one they came from. Because there's no diversity in his kingdom. Fall in love with the diversity. This is what makes God's kingdom unique. The enemy wants you to despise it. And if you ever hear anything on the inside of you coming up, despise this person who's different. Look how they speak. Look how they do. That's the enemy. Because he wants us all the same. But God in this chapter shows us diversity is where it's at. And we can all be diverse parts and function as a whole. Go back to our meeting. How many of you all know that meeting we have with each other? Didn't you just, didn't it feel good? To have something added from everybody and to hear where they were at. I just was blessed by all the different things that people were sharing and, and speaking about. Ah, oh, it was neat. Because each of us has something unique that we can add and that we can bring. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you. For your great love. You created each one of us different. You gave each one of us different gifts. We're all a different part of the body. But we all make up the body. And the glory of that body is in all the parts functioning as a body. I thank you for the example that you give us in our own physical bodies. And that's the example that our church and the church around the world is to be. We are all different parts. As we endeavor to look at your word, what it teaches about these different parts and the diversity that we are to have, how we can function, how we can appreciate the differences that each of us has. That we don't need to go out there and to make them the same as us. But we can enjoy their differences. Some people have different views on things than we do. But hearing those different views can sometimes sharpen my own and help me to go back to the Word. Is this really what the Word of God says? We need to be shored up that our view was right or to find out that, hey, I wasn't quite looking at this the way that I needed to. And our life can grow. We can be expanded. Thank you, Father, for every different part that is here. I thank you that each eye will stand up and be an eye. Each ear will stand up and be an ear. And each one will receive what the other party parts bring. We give you the praise and the glory for it. And I thank you, Father, for such a loving body that we have here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as we go on here, you may have some questions about spiritual gifts. You may have some questions about operations or things that you've seen or things that you just haven't come to an understanding of. And if you have any of those things going on, 
write them down. Slip them to me in a note. Send them to me, however you want to send them. Speak them to me, whatever it is. But uh, let me find out what your, your questions are as we develop this. I want to make sure that your questions get answered. Because as Paul started, his goal here is that we have understanding. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to have understanding. I want to see more of our church not only involved in sharing in the service, but going out in the world and walking in these gifts and coming back and giving testimonies. I was out at the store and the Spirit of God came up and the gift worked this way and this happened. Oh, we're going to hear some great testimonies on that. Because whatever you do for God will be made better by the gifts that He has put on the inside of you. Learn how to use them. And what you have done just is just grit determination will become so much easier when you do it with what He gifted you with and the anointing that is on those gifts. Thanks all for coming on out today. Bless some people before you go. And don't forget Friday night prayer. And then on Sunday after church, we're going to head on down about uh, four or five miles south of here. Probably about four miles south of here. And have, uh, have dinner.